Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the parable of the vineyard as we pick up in Isaiah chapter 4, verse 6. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Going ahead again from the darkness of the impending judgment and the long period of time in which the Gentiles shall rule to the day of the Lord when he shall once again rule and Israel and Jerusalem shall be blessed and the center of God's righteous reign upon the earth. Now in the fifth chapter, the Lord takes up a parable of a vineyard in which he likens Judah or Israel, the nation, his people, unto a vineyard. Now I'm going to sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. My well-beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. He fenced it. He gathered the stones out of it. And you that have been over know what a job that is to gather the stones out of the vineyard. And you see how that they gather the stones and make walls with the stones and terraces with the stones. There the vineyard. And you that have been there get, get a good mental picture of that. And he planted it with the choicest vine. He built a tower in the midst of it. Some of these watching towers you'll still discover over there. As you go through the land, they, they have these towers where during the summer season, the people move out of the cities and onto the plots of ground that they own in the country. And on these plots of grounds, they have these towers. And in these towers are the living quarters for the family. And while they are taking care of the crops and harvesting during the summer and autumn period, they live in these towers out in the midst of the fields. And the towers, of course, also served as watchtowers where they could watch over their land from people who would come and try to steal the fruit of the land. So um, he built a tower in the midst of it, and also he made a wine press therein. And he looked that it should bring forth grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge. I pray you between me and my vineyard. Now you determine, you make the judgment. What could have been done more to my vineyard than, than I have not done in it? In other words, God said, what more could I have done for the people? I brought them into the land. I established them there. They built and established their cities. They planted it. And I did everything for them. What more could have I done for them that I haven't already done? Judge. Wherefore, or why is it that when I looked and it should have brought forth grapes, that it brought forth wild grapes? Now go. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do to my vineyard. I will take away the hedge thereof, and it shall be eaten up. I'm going to break down the wall thereof, and it will be trodden down. And I will lay it waste, and it shall not be pruned nor digged. And there shall come upon it briars and thorns that will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel and the men of Judah, his pleasant plant. And he looked for judgment, but behold, there was oppression. He looked for righteousness, but there was a cry from those who were being oppressed. God was looking for fruit 
from his vineyard. Now Jesus said, I am the true vine. My father is the husbandman. And every branch in me that bringeth forth fruit, he purges or cleanses it that it might bring forth more fruit. Again, over there in the land, you will notice as you go through the area of Eshkol where they grow some of the most delicious grapes in the world. Man, they're great. If you go over there in October, it's just fabulous. But you'll notice these grapevines in Eshkol grow on the ground. Big old main branches that are along the ground and they prop them up with rocks. Now they do have some of the grapevines on trellises, but through the Valley of Eshkol, most of these luscious grapes actually grow right on the ground. And you'll see these big old vines just growing along the ground and propped with rocks. And when the grapes come out on the vines, they actually lay right on the ground. So as the grapes are developing, they will go through the vineyard and they will take these grapes that are there on the ground and they will pick them up and they will wash them. Get the dirt and all off of them as they are developing. And then we'll usually prop them on a rock or something in order that it might bring forth better fruit. If they just lie on the ground, then uh, the little uh, bugs and all start eating them and all. So they, they prop up the, the grapes after they've washed them in order that they might bring forth better fruit, more fruit. And so Jesus is making reference to this. Now, my father is the husbandman. I'm the true vine and you're the branches. And every branch in me that is bringing forth fruit, he cleanses it that it might bring, he washes it that it might bring forth more fruit. Now he said, you are clean through the word that I have spoken unto you. The washing of the word in my life, the cleansing. Now, what is the purpose of the word? In order that I might bring forth more fruit for God. What is God interested in my life? Fruit. What was he interested in the nation Israel? That they would bring forth fruit. Why did he do so much for them? So they would bring forth fruit. Why is God doing so much for us? That we might bring forth fruit unto him. And herein is the Father glorified that you bear much fruit. That's what God desires from your life, that you bring forth much fruit. So the Lord comes to his garden and he's looking for fruit. Now it is interesting that in the same context in which Jesus takes now the vine and makes the application to the church, he then speaks of the commandment, a new commandment that I give unto you that you love one another. And he relates this loving with the fruit that God was looking for. And so it is significant that Paul tells us in Galatians, now the fruit of the Spirit is love. Now this is really what God is looking for because out of love proceeds true judgment, fairness. If you really love, you're not going to be oppressing someone. So where in the Old Testament it was, you know, let's have righteous judgment, let's not oppress the poor and these kind of things. In the New Testament, it is put in a positive sense, hey, let's love one another as we love ourselves. For if we love each other as we love ourselves, we're not going to be taking advantage of each other. We're not going to be oppressing each other. 
but we're going to be helping one another. We're going to be lifting up the one that has fallen. We're going to be giving aid to those that are down. We're going to be concerned with the needs of others. And that's exactly what God is. That's the kind of fruit that God is looking forth for in our lives and in the church today, that we really have a genuine love and concern for each other, where we are giving to one another those that are in need. For when one member suffers, they all suffer. We all step in to help the one that is hurting, that is down. And that beautiful love within the body where we begin to bear one another's burdens and thus we fulfill the law of Jesus Christ. And that's the kind of fruit that God wants from our lives. Now the opposite to this is selfishness. And that is one of the biggest problems that we have to deal with is our own self-centeredness and our own selfishness where we're wanting everything for ourselves. And we will give as long as it doesn't take away from me, as long as it doesn't hurt me. But God wants the fruit of love to come forth from his vineyard. And so God comes to his garden to collect its fruit. And if he finds nothing but wild grapes, he'll forsake the garden. He said, I'm gonna, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to break down the hedge. I'm just going to forsake it. I'm going to let it go. If it's going to bear wild grapes, it doesn't need me. I'm just going to forsake the garden. Now God pronounces his woes upon Israel. There are six of them. Warn to them that join house to house, that lay field to field, till there be no place that may that they may be placed alone in the midst of the earth. Sounds like Orange County. <laughs> With all of our subdivisions and condominiums and townhouses. Joining house to house. Lay field to field till there's no room left. In my ears, saith the Lord of hosts, of a truth, many houses shall be desolate. Even great and fair houses will be without inhabitants. And the land will no longer produce. You, the, the land will be worn out. Ten acres of a vineyard will only yield eight gallons of fruit. And 86 gallons, a homer, of the seeds will only yield about a bushel. So real famine conditions. Woe unto them, second woe, that rise up early in the morning that they may follow strong drink that continue tonight, the description of the alcoholic, really, until the wine inflames them. When you really get to the real alcoholism is when you start drinking the moment you get up in the morning. Take the first drink, get your day started. Boy, that, that's the sign, it, 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 that's the sign of, of real alcoholism. When you get to that point, you are a full-fledged alcoholic. You need to get the day started with a drink. Woe unto them. Until the wine inflames them, and the harp, and the vial, and the tablet, and the pipe, and the wine are in their feast, but they regard not the work of the Lord, neither consider the operation of his hands. People are just looking for entertainment and pleasure but they don't really give God a consideration in their life. Therefore, because of this, because people have become pleasure mad, 
have not regarded God in their lives. God has given them over to captivity because they have no knowledge and their honorable men are famished and the multitude is dried up with thirst. Therefore hell hath enlarged herself and opened her mouth without measure and their glory and their multitude and their pomp and he that rejoiceth shall descend into it. And the mean man shall be brought down, and the mighty man shall be humbled, and the eyes of the lofty shall be humbled. But the Lord of hosts shall be exalted in judgment, and God that is holy shall be sanctified in righteousness. And then shall the lambs feed after their manner, and the waste places of the fat ones shall strangers eat. The next woe, woe unto them, that draw iniquity with cords of emptiness and sin, as it were, with a cart rope. So much sin that it takes a cart rope, a huge rope, to draw it. That say, let him make speed and hasten his work that we may see it. And let the counsel of the Holy One of Israel draw nigh and come that we may know it. They begin to challenge God and challenge the judgment of God. If it's so, let God do something that we might see it, you know, if he's really there. The next woe, woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. <laughs> they call those who believe in creation misfits and fools. That put darkness for light and light for darkness. That put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Now, of course, we are living, I feel, in, in an age in which we are really calling evil good and good evil. I could go on, but I won't. It's easy to climb on your little box and <laughs> really wail. <laughs> Woe unto those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Men who do not look at themselves in the light of God. Men who do not judge themselves by God's standards, but by their own standard. The sixth woe and the last. Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine. Men of strength to mingle strong drink. Which justify the wicked for a reward. And take away the righteousness of the righteous from him. God is talking here about the legislators and the judges. And it is interesting that the highest alcoholic consumption in the United States is in Washington, D.C. The highest consumption per capita is in Washington, D.C. I think that's tragic. All of the lobbying which justify the wicked for a reward take away the righteousness and the righteous of the righteous from him. A lot of these edicts that are coming from these boozed legislators and judges and all, and it's tragic. But you don't have to go to Washington to find it. You can find it right here in your own local community. You know, it might be a good idea that you examine some of the judges that are sitting on the bench. Now, I don't blame them for becoming alcoholics. I wouldn't want to be a judge. I wouldn't want to have on my conscience the things that they must have on theirs. 
And you got to do something to live with yourself and sleep at night. So I, I don't blame them for becoming alcoholics. If I weren't a Christian, I'd probably be an alcoholic too. How else are you going to cope with this stupid world? But woe unto them. Therefore, as the fire devoureth the stubble and the flame consumes the chaff, so their root shall be as rottenness and their blossoms shall go up as dust because they have cast away the law of the Lord of hosts and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. Therefore is the anger of the Lord kindled against his people, and he hath stretched forth his hand against them and has smitten them, and the hills did tremble and their carcasses were torn in the midst of the streets. For all of this his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. Still, God has brought his judgment, but he's not through yet. For he will lift up an ensign to the nations from far and will hiss unto them from the end of the earth, and behold, they shall come with speed swiftly. None shall be weary nor stumble among them. None shall slumber or sleep. Neither shall the girdle of their loins be loosed, nor the latchet of their shoes be broken, whose arrows are sharp and whose bows are bent. Their horses' hoofs shall be counted like flint and the wheels like a whirlwind. Their roaring shall be like a lion and they shall roar like a young lion, yea, they shall roar and lay hold of the prey and carry it away safe, and none shall be able to deliver it. And so Judah, Jerusalem, was carried away captive unto Babylon. And in that day they shall roar against them like a roaring of the sea. And if one look unto the land, behold, darkness and sorrow, and the light is darkened in the heavens thereof. So the opening of Isaiah, the opening judgments of God that are proclaimed, plus always the glorious light at the end of the tunnel. When God has finished with his judgment, the glorious kingdom that is coming. And so we will continue next week from some fabulous prophecies as we get into chapters 6 through 10, we begin to see the glorious light of the coming Messiah as he begins to make the predictions of that one that God is going to send who will establish a righteous kingdom and bring forth righteous judgment upon the earth. Shall we stand? The Bible study tonight can have one of two effects upon you, and it all depends on what you are. Blessings unto the righteous. You'll eat of the fruit of the land. Woe unto the wicked. You think it's bad now? It's going to get worse. But what a hope we have, a blessed hope of the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ who when he comes, he's going to change our vile bodies that they might be fashioned just like his own glorious image. And as we get to the 26th chapter, we find the glorious promise of the Lord taking away his people and hiding them while this time of his indignation and wrath is poured out upon the earth for a little season until the judgments are through. 
and then the unfolding of the glory of his new kingdom, of which you may all have a part. It's up to you. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Why should he have to lay more stripes upon you? What's it going to take to turn you around? What's it going to take to awaken you to God's love and that which God wants to do for you if you'll just give him the chance? Though your sins be as scarlet, they may be as white as snow. God is willing tonight to wash you and to cleanse you from every sin, from all iniquity. He's willing to make you over a new person. He's willing. That's not enough. You must be willing too. We'll continue with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Isaiah on our next broadcast. As Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Isaiah 4 through 5 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you and bless you and watch over you during the week. May your love and commitment to God grow day by day. And may we each one consider what we are giving to God and how we give it, that we might render unto God that which is pleasing and acceptable in His sight of our time, of our service, of our abilities, of our substance. God bless you. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Children love stories, so it is with great honor to tell you about a children's book written by Pastor Chuck called The Story of the Ten Commandments. Just listen to what people are saying. Cheryl Broderson. I love these stories, and it's a pleasure for me to know that you get to hear my dad tell you the very same stories that he told me as a child. Pastor David Guzik. 
I think that a book by Pastor Chuck is perfect for children because they'll sense the true love of not just a father, but a great grandfather and how much he loves to pass on the love of Jesus to a young generation. Pastor Poncho Juarez. I am so blessed to be part of this book by Pastor Chuck. I love it when kids read in their own level. I hope parents take advantage of this and may the Lord bless you. And as a gift, each book contains a CD of Pastor Chuck reading the story of the Ten Commandments. To order your copy, call the word for today at 800-272-WORD. Or to see a sneak preview of the book, visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.